0: That's everylife.com, and don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, but also... My partner in life and my wife, Rachel Campos-Duffy.
0: Thank you, Sean. And hello, everybody. We're back at our kitchen table. And this week at our kitchen table is somebody that we've known for a long time, Sean and I. But also, if you watch Fox News, you definitely know who he is. It's Charlie Kirk. He's the founder of Turning Point USA. He's the author of a new book that has been getting a lot of attention a topic so many parents are talking about um it's called the college scam how america's universities are bankrupting and brainwashing away the future of america's youth probably one of the best book titles i've heard this year um charlie so great for you to join us thank you um i want to talk about thank thank you of course i want to talk about the book but you know i've been on the view many many times and um I cannot let this moment go without you telling us what happened at the view, uh, this past week and how turning point and you specifically, um, decided to fight back. So give us the lowdown.
2: Yeah. First I'm honored to be here and you guys are just amazing. I mean, what are you on? Like the 14th kid now? It's incredible. I don't know how you guys do it. (laughs) I lost lost, lost count. Probably. It lost count. Yeah, I know. I, we got to we got to catch up. So yeah, look, it was the most. It was one of the weirdest stories I've ever lived through. To be honest with you, so we had an amazing turning point USA event this last weekend. Our student action summit, five thousand plus students from all across the country. Just amazing energy and enthusiasm. And Rachel, you've spoken a lot of our events before. You know yeah. how you know it's it's just incredible these students are, right? And so then outside. Saturday, after all the left-wing protest- protesters came through very suspiciously, but five or six total loons came up, up, you know, with Nazi flags and SS flags and started um, protesting, I guess, us. That's what never really made any sense is how are they protesting? us? Why are they protesting us? The whole thing was really bizarre. And so I, st- I still think it's kind of Democrat plants, to be honest with you. Totally. It just doesn't just doesn't feel right. And so. Anyway, that happened. And we immediately, as I saw it, I texted my whole team. We, we denounced this. I asked my security to try to get them off the premises. They were on public land, so we weren't able to do that. And so some of our students were bold enough to basically go tell them, like Nazi scum, get out of Tampa, which I fully support, obviously. Um, meaning I support, you know, them confronting the students, to, confronting the Nazis to get out there. And so it just felt so artificial and and weird and bizarre and uncharacteristic. You guys do a lot of events. You don't see yeah. swastikas around. Are you kidding me? The whole thing's no, really. Charlie, strange. it sounded
0: a little bit like the Yunkin. Remember when they those very similar, up, yeah, right?
2: and, and that, yeah, that's the. Second second. second part of this, which is we're actually going to dedicate a lot of resources to try to find out who these Nazis actually were, which as a side note, I've never seen the media so uninterested in who Nazis actually are. Yes. So right. weird. Usually they're always like, you're a Nazi. Like really, you actually have actual Nazis on a corner and you don't even go up to ask them their names or where are you from? Or where'd you buy that flag? And who are you? Because I think the media deep down would have known that that, that level of investigative journalism would not have really helped, helped their cause. So anyway, the event ended without a hitch. We were so blessed turning point action. Hosted Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, and it was just awesome. And so then on Monday again, this continue. It's been a four day saga. It's like fifteen days to slow the spread. It just doesn't stop. Right. And so you know, on on Monday, um, Joy Behar thing where she just. She talks before she thinks, like, you know, not exactly wise, but that's okay. I guess it's entertaining for some people. And she goes through this whole thing and she starts talking about Joseph Doubled and how they're outside our event and says that you let them into our event. Not true at all. No facts at all whatsoever. And then hilariously, right after that, then Whoopi Goldberg, after the break, it's obvious that someone in the legal department got in her ear. She comes back, says, Okay, okay, I just want to clarify something. I said that you guys let them into the event. What I was really saying is metaphorically they were in your midst. I was like, Really? Did you make a clarification there, Whoopi? Sure doesn't sound like it. (laughs) So then right after that. we uh our, our legal team, they're phenomenal. Our in house counsel Veronica sent a letter, a cease and desist, being like, You better correct this or else you're gonna have harsh and severe legal action. And to our surprise and our shock, and I have a reason I believe I know why, the uh, a co host who seems like a nice, a sweet woman. I don't know much about her, but she seemed fine, who wasn't involved in any of the bickering or bantering. Sarah Haynes comes out and she says, Turning point USA would like us to apologize in this whole thing. And we actually do apologize and we clarify the whole thing. It's like okay wow that has never happened before um where you actually get the view to kind of go backwards and backpedal and it was because we sent the legal letter and we threatened legal action and i think there's a little bit of echoes of nicholas sandman if you ask yeah. me you know, right there's some fear there but anyway and it just the story gets weirder this morning they can't. Came- can't let it go. Whoopi Goldberg looks in the camera again. And she says, all right, all right. I just want to know that on Monday, I said one thing about these turning point kids. And I don't like when people misrepresent me, my bad. And I was like, okay, well, you know, to say my bad, when you call a bunch of kids Nazis, it just seems so forced and all that. But look, I do appreciate the gesture, gesture, the apology, but honestly, I'm not in a position to accept the apology. It's our kids, right? She was slandering high school kids. So anyway, it's been quite a week, Rachel and Sean, and I could say that we got the view to publicly apologize to Turning Point USA.
0: Wow, that is, it, that is an amazing thing. I will say, by the way, that the view should probably know that when I have gone to speak at Turning Point, it was for the Latino conference. <laughs> so well, I that's guess what's all so hilarious. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I mean, but, and, and this is what was and just think about what kind of bubble you must live in. If you're Whoopi Goldberg, before you open your mouth, you're like, "Wait a second, Swats to Cuz." You really think a conservative group would be like, "Yeah, come on in, you know, come amongst our midst, as if we have no decency at all?" Like, what do you think you're doing? Like, what are you saying? But it's so, I mean, uh, but, and so,
1: but Charlie, she's she's so consumed with politics, and it's like she does see Republicans as, or now you're not Republicans. You guys are conservatives, but conservatives are evil, and if you're a conservative, you must be a Nazi. And I think truly in her mind, it would be like, "Of course." Of course they would wear swastikas at this event. This is who they are. She's, she's a no, believer sure. and therefore express, expresses that. Of course she does.
2: Uh, that, yeah, that's such they, a good maybe, point.
0: Maybe she does, but here's the other part, because you bring up Sandin, and this is what I think it is. I think they're afraid. They're afraid of how many kids are Republicans and conservatives. They're afraid of how many... Black and Hispanic kids turn out to, to turning point. What I think happened with Santa, exactly and what right. I think is happening here, is they want to scare kids from going to those conferences, and that what they want to do is smear the whole organization. Um, in this case, Turning Point. In the other case, it was wearing a MAGA hat and supporting Trump or going to a pro-life rally. They want to say, if you do that, guess what? We are going to call you a Nazi and we're going to ruin your life, which is why I think it's great that Turning Point stood up for those kids because it really wasn't about you and Turning Point. It's that all those kids would be smeared as Nazis and their opportunities in life and the future would be ruined, which is what they tried to, to do with Sandman.
2: That, that, that's so beautifully said, Rachel. And that's right. I said that on my podcast and I said it publicly when I was talking about pursuing legal action, of which we are still pursuing. We're looking at all of our options. It's like, look, you can say whatever you want about me. I'm a public figure. You know, you can write bad tweets about me, whatever. I'll, I'll figure it out. Do not do not get close to touching our Turning Point USA high school kids. I, I will respond with the full. F- fury and force of turning point USA. If you get near our high school kids, because here's this amazing 16 year old that comes to our event, for example. Right. And she emails me, Charlie, I'm go, I'm in the midst of trying to apply for all these things. And somebody just sent me an article saying that that you let Nazis into your event and it would be all these vague generalities. So we had to respond the way we did. We had no choice. It's about our students. And look, this kind of fits into a broader theme, doesn't it, guys, about fighting for curriculum at school boards or standing up for the unborn, which is we as adults need to stand up for our children. Like, it's just that simple. Right. And we cannot allow our kids to be slandered by these smug celebrities on television. Like, how dare they? And I'm glad it's taken the trajectory it did. I'm actually shocked. But the only reason is not because of some, you know, moral decency. I think that Whoopi Goldberg has or The View has. I think it's out of pure profit and fear, fear of losing profit, that they might have been served with a very aggressive lawsuit.
1: <laughs>
0: so glad to hear that. Um, so let's get right to your book, The College Scam. The The cover of the book um, has An endorsement by Tucker Carlson. I think it's a great leadoff for you just to kind of tell us your story. It says Charlie Kirk. This is our friend Tucker Carlson. It says Charlie Kirk has lived his own advice. He knew college was a scam. Read this. You'll know it, too. So you took a gap year and that turned into 10 years. Um, Tell us about that
2: yeah it's it start as you said it started as a gap year and it became a gap decade, which is a new term that I've now coined and Look, I had every intention to go to college, and you know this book is indefinitely is definitely indicting the college scam, but I've nothing against people that have gone to college, obviously everyone you know can take whatever path that they see fit for themselves. However, for me personally, it just wasn't the best choice. And I started Turning Point USA and it's just grown to this amazing thing, thanks to the Lord's favor and praise God of how it's just been able to continue throughout the last couple of years to become a real force in the conservative arena. Um, But look, I've been thinking about this topic ever since I started Turning Point for the last 10 years, which is, are we giving an honest and transparent value proposition of colleges, for colleges, I should say, for young people, of colleges for young people, I should say. And largely the answer is no, we are not. Uh, College is almost an expectation for most people in upper middle class suburban society. We don't ask high school kids, hey, uh, why are you going to college? We ask the question, where are you going to college? Like, hey, where are you going to school? And if not, you're, you're deemed an abject and total failure. I think that's really wrong on several levels. And so what I do in this book is this book is a very unique. I've written a couple books. The book I wrote before this was written in a different prose where I was trying to clarify something. I was clarifying what I believe Donald Trump stood for. Uh, it was called the MAGA Doctrine. This book is totally different. This is a book of persuasion. And so you got to ask yourself the question, where is you – know, where are arguments presented in front of people that are not biased and you have to win them over? The courtroom. And so I wrote this book as if I'm a prosecutor and the reader is the jury with a 10-count indictment against the college industry uh, from every angle that you can imagine, not just from the cost, but also from legitimate graduation rates, from the long-term trajectory of what happens if you don't graduate from college, but you enroll, from the student loan debt to the foreign infiltration on campuses to the violence against conservatives to the outright anti-Americanism to the outright anti-Semitism. All of this is compiled in a 10-count indictment. And I'm trying to persuade the reader that college is indeed a scam. And I encourage every parent out there, every young person, give me a shot to hear my argument. Again, it's three years of detailed research. We had over 35 pages of footnotes in the book, which is a lot. So everything is cited because I know that my critics would say, where do you get this stat? Where do you get this from? And so we put a lot of work into it. We're truly going after kind of what you could call the third rail of kind of American life. You're not allowed to question college. You're just supposed to say, hey, everyone's got to go to college. We're trying to crash that consensus.
1: You know, Charlie, Rachel and I have, you know, we have a lot of kids, as you mentioned at the start of the show, uh, not 14, but nine. And the blessing, we've mentioned this a number of times in our podcast, the blessing is that we can make mistakes and then remedy those mistakes as we have new kids come up. And so we sent our first child to the University of Chicago, woke, liberal. We were proud that she got in. But we realized it wasn't really an education. It truly was an indoctrination. And she went through that experience with flying colors came out and, and she learned a lot, but not uh, because of the university. She learned, learned a lot because of her experiences there and is stronger for it. The next one went to uh, the University of Wisconsin, Madison. But our third one, we said, you know what, if you want to go to college, we are going to pick the colleges that you can go to if you want us to pay. If you want to go anywhere else in the country, pick your school. You can pay for it, which, by the way, she can't pay for it. So I'm like, if you want to go, <laughs> we are going to pick your. We're going to pick the schools that you can choose from ones that will give you an education. And I think what you talk about is just because you're saying maybe college isn't right for you. Education is incredibly important. Talk to me about the education side of what Charlie Kirk has done, not through, you know, massive student loans and through college, but through the the personal perseverance of someone who goes, I want to I want to be informed and enlightened.
2: Thank yeah, thanks for saying that. It's so important because my critics will call this book an anti-education book. In fact, it's a pro education book. All throughout the book, I offer resources of if you want to learn thanks to technology. Boy, there's an unlimited amount of opportunities to do so. I'm no fan of smartphones. I think we stare at our screens too much. But one blessing of technology is look at all the stuff at your disposal free of charge. You could yeah. learn all day. Forget going to Harvard, Princeton or Yale. Why not learn from the subject matters themselves for the amazing content they put online? Um, I use, for, for example, we have a partnership with Hillsdale College, which is one of the few remaining good colleges in America. You know, they can go to charlieforhillsdale.com and they have there's 32 free online courses that they could take at any time and they're good. I've taken over half of them, and they can learn a lot. Uh, Prager I mean, University. Courses, already, on, courses yep. on
1: what, Charlie? What, what are those courses? Everything
2: from the Constitution to Aristotle to the great books of the West to the Federalist Papers, the Supreme Court, C.S. Lewis, Winston Churchill, World War II, Sparta v. Athens. I mean, you get got the it's full great canon, stuff. basically. Yeah. Awesome stuff that, by the way, they're not teaching in most schools, and it's free right. of charge. Now, it does take work. The Hillsdale courses, you just don't do it in an afternoon. No, it's going to take days, if not weeks, and you got to take the they have tests you have to take. They're all Free, um, and but the point is this: is that there's so much at your disposal. So, look, I read a book a week. I spend two days every, uh, two hours every day learning, uh, listening to podcasts, reading new things, watching YouTube videos of people that are interesting. You know, trying to challenge maybe an idea I have. Um, I love to learn. Learning is everything. I mean, if you're not learning, what are you doing? Right. That's one of the most beautiful things I think the Lord gave us is the ability to reason and learn and connect dots and um, really dive deep into subjects. I'm afraid that isn't happening, though, on most campuses. Just not postmodernism and poststructuralism and critical theory. These ideas do not make the human soul, you know, in the pursuit of truth at all. Instead, it's all about deconstructing Western hegemony or you know, reconsidering your colonialist privilege, like just shut up. It's there's so much beauty in the world. And you want to know why so many young people leave college depressed and quasi suicidal and on Mm -hmm. psychiatric drugs. It's because they for four years, they've been filled with the idea pathogen of nihilism, which is there is no beauty. There is no truth. And that's so insidious to teach a young person that's trying to figure out their way in the world. Instead, the message should be like, hey, there's a lot of beauty in this world. Let's go on a journey together to go find it. Boy, has the academy changed a lot.
0: That's everylife.com, and don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Yeah, it really has. It's so interesting because our pod, our podcast, um, as Sean mentioned, we had uh, Victor Davis Hansen and we had him on to talk about what are the school's key likes and then also to give tips. So as you do college tours, you know what to look for, what to look for in the, um, you know, in in the syllabuses and the curriculum, um, he gave a lot of great tips. One of the things he said was, you know, go to the bookstore and see what they're pushing there. I thought that was a good one, too. Um, but Sean, Sean is right. One of the beauty of ha- one of the beauties of having a, a big family um, is that you do get these do overs. And so for us, the adjustment was that we said we're going to limit. So we, we we've done our research. We've learned that for us, both in elementary, high school, and now in college, we're only going to give as far as fun, our own funding. We're only going to fund our children's education if they're choosing classical. Uh, yes. School. So we have one going off in a couple of weeks over to the University of Dallas, which was one of the schools on Victor Davis Hanson's list. We, by the way, we named that podcast. What would Victor Davis Hanson do? Um, because uh, he is a, a national treasure and we thought he had good advice. But
2: she totally he totally
0: is. He is. But what you're saying is so interesting, because what we said in the last podcast is. Well, what are the good schools among? But you're making the case that actually the academy is a scam. So, I'll, those are very strong words a scam. Talk to me about the scam part of it. Like, what, talk no, to me about endowments and yeah. all that stuff.
2: I'm, I'm going. Yeah. Thank you. And yes, there are a few good schools left, but boy, there's a, you could count them on one hand. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's talk about a couple numbers that I think really illustrate the scam. And you're right. It is a strong word and I use it intentionally. I thought deeply about it before I put it on a book title. So can I defend this? And I, and after, as I did the research, Rachel and Sean for, for years, I was like, oh yes, I can. So let's just talk one number that makes people's jaws drop. 40%, 40% of people that enroll in college will not graduate. They drop out. That is the national dropout rate. So 40% of people should have have no business going to college at all whatsoever. And by the way, you could prove it just empirically. Ask anybody, hey, do you know a couple of people that have dropped out of college? They're like, oh, yeah, I know a couple. Oh, yeah, I know a couple. I mean, I know tons of people that dropped out of college. So that's number one. By the way, those people, they have their confidence shot. They're usually in debt. They are you know, struggling to find their way afterwards. They're very confused. You know, they're like, whoa, what, what is right for me? I don't know. So 40% that enter college drop out. Now, some people say, well, Charlie, it's because college is so difficult. No, it's not. College has become super easy. Unless you go to a great book school like University of Dallas or Hillsdale, you can you could coast by by a D or C. Now, should they have been going to college with the skill set that they got in high school? That's what's questionable. Do they want to be a plumber or electrician and someone told them to go study queer theory at some school in Massachusetts you could barely pronounce? That's probably more likely. And so what you have here, that's one number. The next number is equally as appalling, which is 41% of college graduates, if they end up graduating, which is not a guarantee, will end up getting a job if they get a job that does not require a college degree, 41%. And that's 10 years after graduation. So they'll go into a career or a job that never required them to go into debt, be exposed to these bad ideas in the first place, and have a likelihood of dropping out. And on top of that even more, if you add another 20%, people end up getting a job in a field completely different than that which they studied. So, for example, you would study economics and you get into computer science. And so you add all that together. That says about four to five million of the 23 million current kids in college right now are actually studying something. They're going to get a job that requires a college degree. They're going to graduate and they'll stay in the same field of which they're studying. That's an extraordinary indictment of a a system that is a multi trillion dollar taxpayer funded, heavily government subsidized system of which we send our most prized possession, Rachel and Sean. And that's why I use the language I also used, which is we're not talking about, you know, even energy systems here or tax rates. We're talking about our children. We're talking about the most prized possession a nation has is the nation's young people. And we send them with no questions asked into an industry where they have a 40 percent chance of dropping out. And if they graduate, they might not even get a job that required them to go through the process in the first place. All the while, they have to have every single metaphysical, spiritual and cultural notion that built Western civilization shattered to the core. That sounds like a scam to me. In and, fact, if any other industry operated that way, they'd be shut down immediately. And,
1: and they, they come back unrecognizable. I mean, the, the, they have the, the, these institutions have Yes. Perfected, indoctrinating your children, and you know, unless there's a, a turning point USA or you know, good parents that are that are engaging them, or you just have just a, a really great kid that can rebuff the the advances of the liberal institution, but they get so many of the kids these li- these little Marxist warriors they turn out. But here's what else I find fascinating with what you talk about: a lot of people. Go to college because it, it, their, their parents tell them they have to go to college or their 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 school counselor tells them they should go to college. The pathway to success in America is college. And so many of them, Michael, you know what? I'd be happy, to your point, being a plumber or an electrician or a a, a mechanic. And those jobs pay really well and you're not going to mm-hmm. have a ton of debt. And you can go to school for, you know, sometimes 18 months to, you know, two years and you get out, you're you're doing something that can allow you to buy a truck and a, and maybe a home and start your life making money at 18, 19 years old, as opposed to getting out with a boatload of debt and being, you know, 20, 22, 23 years old.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I mean, I, I challenge this in the book and I say it as politely as possible, but, you know, it's a little controversial to say this out loud, but it's true is most upper middle class suburban parents don't want their kids to work construction. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's just plumbers, electricians and welders are not treated with the same sort of dignity of someone who studied, you know, gender studies at UW Madison. Mm -hmm. And this is something where I try to tell parents. And again, I'm not one to, you know, you know, have all the answers with this, but I do know it from the student perspective. Many students feel forced to go away from something they have a skill or they're passionate at to go get that four-year university and that, that that degree. And look, I'm I'm doing this right this podcast from Scottsdale, Illinois. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, not Illinois. I grew up in Illinois. I could say in Arizona, there is such a there's an unbelievable deficit of plumbers and electricians and manual mm-hmm. tradespeople. And I asked these guys, you know, where are they all going? They're like, Well, you know, a lot of my buddies you know, went to college and studied something and they, they're they having trouble finding jobs. They're earning six figures. They got no debt. Like you said, Sean, they work really hard. They're working with dignity. You know, they love the Lord. They have big families. I say, man, I would much rather have that than more people that are studying things that like how to hate America. Like, really? Like, so that's, true. that's also that's just why is the country becoming politically unrecognizable, especially on the coasts? I also tie that together. Uh, in the book, which is a lot of our politics, I believe, have become more radical because of college campuses. One of the one of the kind of presuppositions that a lot of people have is, OK, colleges are wacky, but that wackiness will stay confined to Berkeley or Harvard. It's not true. Instead, what happens on college campuses does not stay on college campuses. It goes into corporate boardrooms and in the halls of mm-hmm. Congress. Look at AOC, Rashida Tlaib and Cory Bush. And so I make a provocative claim in the book. I admit it, but I'll defend it. America cannot continue all of our fights that we're doing together and you both do such a beautiful and wonderful job. I do not believe that we can have the country survive if we do not see a massive decline in college enrollment.
1: Mm. could not agree more.
0: So very interesting. What, you you
1: can, oh, go ahead, Rachel. Go ahead. No, no, you can. No. Go was, on, what, what frustrates me? I was looking at running for governor in Wisconsin. I, I didn't. I didn't run. But if you look at the the university systems, not just in Wisconsin, but but across the country, these universities not just get federal you know taxpayer money through you know loans that kids get or grants that kids get, The taxpayers in those states, Charlie, fund those institutions That's to the then scam. radicalize the kids.
2: That's exactly. I'm right. like.
1: I, I, and so yes. I pay my tax dollars to let the left, the Democrats, radicalize my children, and the, the conservatives and Republicans still allow this to happen. I got Sean, Republicans tell, in Wisconsin are like, oh, we're like, we have to deal with the university system, and and Republicans are like, we can't touch the university system yeah. in Wisconsin. That's exactly right. I'm a, I'm a badger. I, I I went to four years. Of, I loved it, and we have to support them. I'm like, do you not know what they're doing? Do you not know yeah, that they're ruining yes, our state exactly and right. our country? Because of the ideas that they're pushing that to your point they're anti-God, anti-American, anti-Western civilization. And we're supposed to fund that with our hard-earned tax dollars. Hell no. Let's let's gut them and bring them back to an education system where go ahead. Charlie,
0: Sean will tell you from Wisconsin politics, this is something I mean, he literally had to tell me this 20 different ways before I got it through my head. Sean believes it was easier for Scott Walker to reform. The teachers' union, which you saw what that caused, the, mm-hmm. the, the beehive that caused, it would be easier to reform teachers' unions in Wisconsin than to go into the beehive of the university system, mainly because a lot of conservatives are very sentimental and nostalgic right. about their experience at the University of, of Wisconsin Madison in particular.
2: That's right. That's right. That's why I wrote the book the way I did as a persuasion document, because a lot of my base and even some of our donors at Turning Point, they love what we're doing. They said, oh, Charlie, you're too hard on the college thing. You know, colleges just need to be reformed. And so, look, I think they're irredeemable. I really do. And I I say this, you know, I say this as someone who's visited over 120 campuses in 35 states. We run a 50 state organization. We have thousands of chapters and hundreds of thousands of members and You guys know all about it. I don't say that lightly. Right. I don't like bashing institutions unless they deserve it. But look, here's my here's one of my kind of policy goals in the next year, which is let's come to a middle ground. I'd love to see these universities completely defunded. But why is it that North Dakota and South Dakota can't say, all right, we're going to boost funding for science, technology, engineering and math. But the humanities go raise your own money. Go figure it out. You guys can still exist on the campus, but not one more taxpayer dollar is going to go fund (laughs) anti-Americanism, humanities. There's nothing good that comes out of it, period. Nothing. Zero. Absolutely nothing. No one cares about critical theory, postmodernism, poststructuralism. Go do a bake sale. Right. Go do some sort of Bill Gates fund drive, whatever you have to do. It's fine. But taxpayer dollars should go towards science, technology, engineering and math. Now, those have become pretty political in recent years. But still, I believe if you put the humanities on defense like that, that's how you contain the idea pathogens. But, Sean, I got to say what you just said was so smart. Both, Both you and Rachel just said it is that conservatives are in on this and there's a lot of reasons go look yep. at the boards, go look who gets the football tickets, go who look at, mm-hmm. how, about the contra- how about the contractor contracts, right? When they have to go buy, build a new building or all this sort of stuff. There's a very incestuous relationship between major conservative donors, between you know the college, the campus itself, the infrastructure. And so this is gonna be, have to be a people-led movement. But one of my great frustrations has been how red state, state legislatures have sat on their hands while taxpayer dollars, their state, forget the federal government, federal government's a waste of time. We know that that, that money troughs going to continue. And Sean, you fought that battle beautifully for years. But it's just, you know, it's nothing. What it's not. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. The states is where action can happen. That's right. Yes. Why is this still continuing? It's a mystery to me.
0: Well, there's some there's some nostalgia about it, isn't it, Sean? I mean, you, you, from your conversations with your constituents People are just they think it's the way it was in the eighties. But, but you know can, what I mean? can,
1: can I make a comparison to that, Rachel, too? So we, we're all like free trade is the best thing ever and we all need free trade and you know that that's means right. that people can take advantage of us, but we're gonna let them take it, you know, sell their their wares freely in America, but they can put tariffs on us and that's free trade. And Donald Trump came in and said, Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, hell no, we're not doing that. If you, We're going That's to treat exactly you the way like. you treat us. You want to take advantage of us? We're going to slap tariffs, China, on all your products. And that moment of leadership and courage from Donald Trump made Republicans go, he's right. Actually, he we should change our policy. And so if you had a governor who was a leader... To expose the rot in the university system and the money from the taxpayers that goes to fund that rot and the rot of their children, um, I think you would see more people buy into it. But I don't think people fully comprehend how bad it is in the university system. We do. We see it. But I, I think the average alumni or donor doesn't get the, the concepts that are being fed to the children or young students at these institutions. And if they did, that's how we would change it as well.
0: That's why your yes, book is so important right. That's why this book is so important. By the way, I heard you last week with our buddy uh, Pete Hegseth. I, it was one of the first things I say when I got off the show. I said, Sean, did you watch Charlie? He said that parents would ask him, are you sure this, this, the schools are this bad? The universities are this bad? And Charlie said the greatest line I've heard in, in a long time on Fox News. You said, would you send your kid to CNN school? <laughs> <thought it> was,
2: <laughs> That's I right. The thing
0: I ever heard. I thought it was great. But I'm going to push back on you for one second. Because one of the things that Victor Davis Hanson said was a positive about sending your kids to a good university was that they would meet a mate, um, that there is a social component to going to college. Um, and I know you just got married. Boy, is she gorgeous. You didn't have to go to college Thank to find you. her. But That's right. um, I'm just saying that there is that social component. And for some of the elite schools, a lot of those parents say, well, there's a lot of networking going on there. And the I, w- I will and address both talk of to them. me about yep. that.
2: So first the mate. if that was true, why are marriage rates the lowest they've ever been? We've sent we've <laughs> okay, sent more kids enough. to college than ever before. And but, we have the least married, we have the least married generation in history. But maybe, so not the, ma- not,
1: maybe not at Hillsdale and University of Dallas, maybe just at Wisconsin no, or Harvard. And, yep. you know, they're, they're...
2: no, but or Liberty. Yeah. But it's kind of the joke is, you know, I used to go get my <laughs> MRS degree. No, you don't. You go get your up degree. I mean, it's right. like <laughs> it, 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 this, this. And so that's not right. The second thing I think look, I think Victor's on to something here. And this is the, the one piece of caveat I do put in the book. And I say this, if you are if you are a rock ribbed conservative, like a radical right winger, I say that jokingly, of course, but if you're like a real conservative like we are, right? And you get into Harvard. I had a kid ask me, Charlie, should I go to Harvard? I said, Look, I hate Harvard. I would, you know, it's just an irredeemable institution. I said, But look, you got you you're Charlie in the chocolate factory. You got a golden ticket where it the only reason to go to Harvard is that you will be taken more seriously for the rest of your life. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's something that's, you know, I like, I don't, I don't appreciate it, but is if you could, if you graduate with just the Harvard degree, for the rest of your life, you could say you went to Harvard, you'll get into rooms that took me years to scrap and hustle to get into. And so that's something to wait. But let's be honest, guys, that's that's not the majority of schools. We know that. Right. The vast majority of schools don't give you that kind of entrance or that kind of ticket. Now, the other part about the networking, that's interesting. That value proposition fell apart in covid, I think, hilariously because of all the Zoom and Skype class. Right. Where it's like, oh, yeah. How are you going to meet all your classmates? Like people went to Princeton to go meet, you know, the future the future, whatever, Supreme Court justice, and they were doing all of it by Zoom and Skype. Um, Most colleges, right, I would say that the networking is more like friendship building more than anything else. But I will say this, though, like because of technology, you can network outside of the halls of Yale, Dartmouth or Cornell, right? I think it's it's more about values than it is about the alma mater. And so let's get this straight. I, I ask people this all the time. I ask a parent. They said, well, I want my kid to go to Stanford, I want my kid to go to UC Berkeley because he'll meet a lot of different people. I said, okay, fine. If I gave your kid $200,000 and I said in four years, find the 10 most interesting people you can get to me that you know well, or the 10 most interesting people that you'll meet at Stanford or Berkeley, which list would be more compelling? If $200,000 for to do that for four years, and if that was your mission, and by the way, you could meet some pretty interesting people, right? So you could travel, you could go to events, you could do all sorts of different things. And the final thing I'll say is this, which is life is what you make of it. You guys know this, right? And I, what bothers me most about what college does is that it destroys ambition because of the debt burden, because of the nihilism. We have the lowest level of small business startups in our country's history. Mm. And so many kids say, I want to start a business when in high school. The worst thing you could do is go get saddled down with debt and filled with bad ideas. Go start that business. Take a gap year. It might turn into a gap decade. And look, not everyone's path needs to be the same. That's the other thing I talk about in the book. My path will be different than your path. What I am doing here, though, is that if you still decide to go to college after reading the book and you agree with me, at least you know you're going into a broken system, right? At least you know how to navigate it. At least you know that it's largely a scam. At least you know what class is not to take, right? What's, what's the worst is if we're trying to convince ourselves, like, Sean, like, I'm a badger. Like, OK, be honest, right? Stop it like just at least you're able to admit that the entire thing is a largely a racket and a cartel. So that would be my answer to that.
0: Really, really quick. Have you been able to give your message, this the message of this book on any like God. non-conservative outlets? So like has ABC or NBC or, or, you know, the today show, the view, whatever, have you been able to get your book out there or is there, are there gatekeepers that, you know, because you're Charlie Kirk, they don't let you do that because I mean, it, it, it's a good audience at Fox, right? It's a good audience. And it's fabulous. So thankful
2: for it. Yeah, right.
0: I get it. But we're kind of really naturally open to it. Um, the idea, I think there's a, there's an opening in there. I think there are some barriers that we've all talked about in this, in this podcast, but there's an openness because people on the right understand that there's something rotten there. Right. Mm-hmm. But what about on the, uh, in these other outlets? Have you been able to, to nope. access them?
2: No, I haven't. I, and I've wanted to. And look, it's not even a political book, right, guys? I haven't said Biden or Trump once. I mean, I talked yeah. on anti-Americanism and these idea pathogens, but that's not I don't even think that's arguable, right? Like if you're going to disagree that, you know, colleges are woke, then you, you're not living on the same planet. But what's hilarious, guys, and this is one of the other reasons I wrote the book, is that this is supposed to be a cornerstone issue of the left, isn't it? College affordability, student loan forgiveness, right? I mean, come on, let's talk about it. But. No, I think that the book probably makes too much sense to platform and it probably isn't helpful to their narrative to do this. Instead, they'll try to smear it and slander it, of which I will respond. So they're just deciding to ignore it. Right. They they know that like an NPR article or whatever would be only further platform. But I'm going to try to seek out some opposition media. But like I challenge everyone and I also warn them, though, I spent three years researching this. Like I said, we got thirty five pages of footnotes. Come ready because the numbers are far worse than you might think, <laughs> like, you know. Um, but look, I would welcome an NPR, a CNN or anyone that wants to tell me why college as it is today, is a wonderful value proposition but, for most but, young people.
1: But but everyone everyone in these media outlets are like, listen, we want everyone to go to CNN and MSNBC College University. That's where we want them to go. Why would I tell them not to go? That's like this is going to exactly in better right. inform them to be better citizens and voters when they get out. We want everybody yes. to be at our university, right? Uh, Charlie, That's I, right. I got to tell you what I, it's the, even the pushback that you've given us on the podcast and the thought that you put into it is is remarkable in in the college scam. Can I just ask and we're we're over time, and I'm going to let you go in a second. Would you tell us just quickly, synthesize? I mean, you're eighteen years old. you're doing your you're at the start of your gap decade. The college doesn't work for you, but you're like, I got this idea. I want to start this youth organization that's a conservative organization. How does a a young man who doesn't have a Harvard degree start this 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 group that grows into this massive, powerful movement? In the country how did you do that and i don't I actually don't know the answer to it i don't know your story
2: yeah i mean it's the lord number one and honestly it's something i talk about in the book which i think we need to have a revival of which is a topic that it's not political mentors what mm. a, what a beautiful thing an american tradition of mentors of one generation helping the other bill montgomery was a 72 year old who told me i shouldn't go to college and i thought he was nuts i was 18 years old at the time and he was like our first board member our first supporter And he helped me tremendously. Foster Freeze, who I think both of you knew, passed away recently. Yeah, he was such a special. He's from from
1: my old district born and raised in Rice Lake, Wisconsin.
2: Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Yeah. And he was our first donor. Gave me $10,000 when no one else believed in me. So it was really, I mean, and then the Freeze family has given over, you know, $10 million since they've just been unbelievable. And so, and Foster in particular, it was mentors. And that's something I talk about in the book is that Man, if I could, again, it's idealistic. Who knows? I got I got a lot on my plate, but imagine an organization that paired up ten thousand high school graduates with a mentor for a gap year, and they shadowed that mentor instead of going Mm -hmm. to college. It would change the country. It just would. You know how many CEOs would love to give back? And it's actually interesting. Now, ten years later, I'm starting to realize the um, delight and the joy that my once mentors had mentoring me because I get to mentor now younger people, right? Mm -hmm. And so. That, what, what is life all about? It's about passing things down to younger people so that they get to enjoy the journey like you did. And so I have to just credit mentors. It's just so incredibly important. And I, think, I don't think it's done enough. I really don't. I, I, my, one of my challenges in the book is for Baby Boomers Plus to be bolder in their offering of mentorship, offer more meals, offer more weekend coffees with young people, Right. offer more advice. They, I think they'd be shocked at how many young people are looking for someone to help guide them.
0: Oh God! such a great point it's such a great point the wisdom right that, and and that's what you're you're seeing is lacking at so many of these universities but it, it's it's that wisdom passing down from one generation to the next um Your story is remarkable um and so inspirational, and I think that it it talks about the American dream and possibilities. And the American dream never was tied to, you know, graduating from Harvard. And by the way, I always tell my kids, it's like my, I, I have a mommy motto. Um, and you can steal this one when you have kids, uh, Charlie, but the motto is my job is to get you into heaven, not Harvard. And yeah, I've amen. always said that. And I mean that, and the whole mentorship idea, the whole idea of, uh, you know, seeking out beauty, um, yes. seeking out truth, um, love, family, um, uh, dignity uh, in work, whatever that work is, um, all of those messages to me have come through this book. And I think it's it's um, it's a powerful message. It's a powerful thing for all of us to be thinking about and rethinking the the, the notions that have been passed on. You know, it was, I think it was Michelle Obama who said every child needs to go to college. Um, well, Charlie yep. Kirk says maybe not.
2: That's right. In fact, I say forcefully that most shouldn't and that there is a a beautiful life out there even if you don't get a college degree.
1: You know what, Charlie, it's a courageous book and you know what, I think it's important that people reconsider these preconceived notions and you do that here, um, as I said, 35 pages of of footnotes that cite all the studies. Uh, I appreciate you doing it and I appreciate you jumping on our podcast and sharing the book. Um, I imagine that they can get the College Scam anywhere they get their book, from Amazon to yep. Fox News to any bookstore in the country. Um, good luck with it. I'm sure the New York Times is just chomping at the bit to make sure you are a number one <laughs> yeah, they, uh, seller. Yeah, they messed with us last time.
2: We, uh, we were right at the top of the list last time. Yeah. Honestly, I—I we the way we did this book rollout, we're, we're with Winning Team Publishing. They're wonderful. And people can find it at collegescam.com. I'm not, I not—I don't even care about the New York Times list this time. I no. did i did that whole game last time. It's not That's not worth it. Who cares? We we just want to sell a bunch of books. We want to change lives. And also this book is different in the sense that all proceeds go to Turning Point USA. So it's just a direct contribution to Turning Point if they buy it. So uh, collegescam.com.
1: I love that, Charlie. Thank you for joining us at the kitchen table.
2: God bless you guys. Thank you so much. God bless you.
1: You too. Great talking to you. We'll have more of this conversation
2: after this. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible.
1: He, um, he, he's challenging the way that we're thinking about school even. And I think he's right to say is, is, you know, is the value there. And I still believe if there's the right university with the right curriculum, you know, gaining some wisdom and knowledge on how the world works is still a, a value proposition. It really is. But so many of them, to his point, are just rotten, rotten to the core.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, like, you know, think about how much money you pour into a college education. If your kid is not going to go to a classical academy, um, or 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 doesn't really want to, you know, be a professor or doesn't need that degree and you know, isn't going to be a computer software person, maybe maybe they you could give them the money that you were going to spend on college and they can go live in Rome for a year, you know, maybe they'd learn more doing that. Um, Maybe, uh, you know, just going to work uh, for a while and taking that gap year and figuring out what they want to do. I think, I think the lesson really for me, Sean, that I learned from Charlie's book and Charlie's uh, conversation is that really a lot of times it's us parents that are the barrier, you know, that a lot of parents want the bragging rights of saying our kid went to such and such great school or just, being able to say my kids in college, um, that somehow you feel like you failed if your kid is off doing something other than college, um, or, or, or forgoes a college degree experience. So I think it's, it's a lot of, it's on us parents to think about and to break down those, those, as you said, pre preconceived notions and, and those societal norms that are holding back our kids, or in some cases actually destroying our kids Give you know, we hand our kids over and, you know, they come back, as you say, unrecognizable.
1: You know, the one question, the one question I wish I would have asked him that is, is coming to me as we're having the after conversation is, you, you know, it, it, he makes sense. If you're going to go study the humanities or read the classics, there's there's a lot of tools and videos and teachers that have free content online. But if you're going to study math, if you're going to study the, the sciences, um, it seems like that's not made for online coursework that enlightenment that comes in in some of these specific fields you got to go to you know some higher form of education he kind of admitted
0: that he did he kind of of admitted that in when he said even the way he talked about the funding like why can't north and south dakota right yeah he said you know in the humanities you can have the george soros school of gender queer theory whatever but you know um the state will fund the science departments and so forth um you know one thing i think about my own experience sean I, you know, I studied economics for undergraduate. I have no regrets about that. Um, I, I, I feel like it just gave me a, a base of knowledge. I, I don't know if I would have been exposed to it in that way. But when I graduated from college, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had um, a scholarship for graduate school because I had good grades and I'd, I had applied for it, not knowing what I wanted to do. And I, I kind of am glad I went to grad school in the sense that, I don't know, I I probably would have just, I mean, I waited tables while I was in grad school, but I think I would have just waited tables um, for those few years. And I, I do think I made some, some good relationships. I I learned, you know, um, in my graduate program, but uh, so I, I'm a little bit like, yeah, maybe, you know, I don't know. I mean, do I want to say, you know, I think as he said, it's, it's, It can't be for everybody, right? I mean, everybody isn't. He doesn't want everybody to not go to college, but he wants people to sort of weigh the pros and cons. So for me, I think doing nothing versus going to school. I was a little lost at that time. I think I was kind of glad I went to
1: school. And a lot of a lot of people, his point is, should not go to college, but there's some people who I imagine should. And for me, uh, I didn't use my brain, didn't know how the damn thing worked for a long time. I went to I went to college, I went to law school, and I found a career path. Uh, going to law school as a prosecutor that really kind of enhanced the way I thought and spoke and argued in a way that was profound for me, that set me up to be a a, a very good congressional candidate and win a seat against a 42-year incumbent Democrat um, and be successful you know, in the House. And so those, those things for, for me only came through undergrad and through law school that gave me the opportunity to become a prosecutor and then develop these skill sets that I didn't know that I had. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but again, the,
0: the job I'm most proud that you've ever had, Sean, was as a prosecutor, um, because you were putting the bad guys behind jail. And, oh, I wasn't. And you were woke. so damn good at it. You won like ninety some percent of your of your trials uh, cases. But I, 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 you can't be a lawyer unless you go to law school. I mean, it's just not possible. That's right. So um, that's one of those cases that I think you know, it made sense for you to go and and you were a damn good prosecutor. So. I
1: appreciate that. Thank you. I was proud of that work as well. It was, but it was, it was good for me in, in, in many ways. So, and and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I was proud of the work. And again, the, 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 the woke DA is Gascon and Alvin Braggs of today. Uh, give all us Boy, good are they ruining uh, law, schools? law enforcement prosecutors, um, a bad name, but listen, Rachel, I, 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 I love this podcast. I love the theme that we're doing on, on education. I think more, parents. And, and as we're kind of going through this process ourselves, We yeah. have to think about education, college, think about K through 12. And he made a really important point that the most important possession a country has is their youth. And as parents, we put, I mean, we put so much time and energy mm-hmm. and money into our kids to let them have life experiences and, and you know, be well-informed and be loved and cared for and, and taught. To think that we would send them off to be destroyed in these institutions is, is unfathomable. And we got we have to think through that and understand that and make better choices or at least give better guidance to our to our to our kids so they can be ha- happy, fulfilled, you know, God loving, American loving, you know, young adults and um
0: and be who they're meant to be, Sean. Yeah. I mean, we have nine kids. The chances that all nine of them must go to college because there's no other way for them to see is very slim. And I think the the, the closing message here is that, you know, college has a very specific purpose. It is not for everybody. It should not be a one size fits all for everybody, that we should look at our kids as individuals. We should also look at the institutions and be very picky about them if we do, if they do decide to choose that, but that we shouldn't shame our kids if they decide not to go and have a different path. And that's a hard thing for parents to do because the way the so- society and culture has set it up, going to college and graduating equals success. Like you did the right thing. And as he said, nobody asks, why are you going to college? They just ask where. And so th- it's sort of like, you know. Understood that that's where you're going to go if you are you know successful or, or as a parent if you are successful your kids going to take that path so true so we have to open our minds to that idea that maybe of our nine not all of them are going to end up in college um, and maybe that's a great thing
1: that's a, that, and, that, and that's fine it, that's it really is and that's we fine. again it's it's an education process that we're going through and again I appreciate Charlie spending the time to write this book and make us all think, challenging us to think through this in a way that's really smart and really well-informed. And so uh, I appreciate it, him joining us on the podcast and, Me too. and having this conversation Me too.
0: with us. Uh, well, I want to thank everybody. Life is a, a learning experience. It's, we should all be in lifelong learning. Um, and so uh, Charlie, Charlie definitely opened us up to that idea, um, and, and, and emphasize that. So Sean, great conversation. Yes, I again. hope everyone joins gonna, us next time around. The kitchen say it again. Table. Great
1: review, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get them. Uh, we would love it. And until next time, uh, have a great week. Bye-bye.